Hello, One Church. How y'all doing? Just to give you guys a heads up, if you're not into a group, you need to do that. September 12th, we're doing group link right out here. It's going to be after both services. And uh, the thing that I like most about One Church doesn't even happen here on Sunday mornings, uh, is I love our group. Uh, I'm in a group. All of our staff is in a group. And I would encourage you, if you've not been into a communion group yet, this is just a great next step that you can take of getting into a group. We have groups that meet on Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, Tuesday night. I mean, you name it. We got them all over the place. So uh, make sure you uh, go on September 12th and sign up for group link. You put yourself in a group. We don't, we don't have some person in a back smoky room, you know, <coughs> you know, trying to figure out, is this person going to be good with this person? You put yourself in there. So it's a huge win with that. Also, encourage you uh, to go by the hub uh, in our involved section. Uh, we also have our, um, some of our governing documents, and we're going to be talking about those, and we want to get you guys uh, uh, input on that coming up. So make sure to go by the hub and grab that. We had a huge run on them last week. We had one person take one. Uh, it was crazy. It's just amazing. It's a good toilet reading, so you'll have a good time with that. So, anyway, uh, quick question. Are you an oxymoron? Now, before you look at your spouse and say, come on, honey, let's go. He just called me a wordy dirt. No, no. I didn't call you a moron. I asked, are you an oxymoron? Because an oxymoron is a contradiction. The contradiction. You know, there's some words that you should never, ever put together, right? I'll give you a couple of them. Jumbo shrimp. That's an oxymoron, all right? That's a contradiction. Um, Microsoft works. A friend of mine in my community group told me this one. Army intelligence. Just throwing that out there. Listen, all right? It's not from me. I've never been in the Army as you can tell, all right, I would be John Candy and Stripe. So, um, I mean, there are a lot of words, like another one, somebody in first service yelled out, pretty ugly, all right? That's a contradiction. You can't be pretty and ugly at the same time. Well, let me give you another contradiction, another oxymoron, and it is the word Christian atheist. Christian atheist. We've been talking about that a Christian atheist, and here's the definition, is somebody who believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. Somebody who says, yeah, I love God, I believe God, I believe the Bible, but yet I don't, my actions doesn't really back that up. I gotta be honest with you. I'm an oxymoron. There are times in my life that I can be a Christian atheist. In fact, for me personally, one of those days was this morning. I was a Christian atheist. I want to read you a verse um, that I've been literally, I've been quoting to myself ever since 2 o'clock this morning. It's Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 and it says this, Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. I don't know if anybody in here besides me needs to hear that message today, but we have no reason to be afraid and no reason to be discouraged because God is with us. 
You know, one of the things I, that I was noticing, and I'm so thankful for my wife, is um, I'm usually backstage here, and I'm usually worshiping backstage, and my wife came and pulled me aside, and she says, you need to come and just sit in the back. So I, instead of being backstage while Josh and the band worships, I was in the back. And man, I was watching you guys worship, and I saw children singing, and I saw a lot of you raising your hands, and some of you not raising your hands, but just singing and just being into it. And I've been so amazed at what God is doing here at One Church. That so many times we can get focused on the so small and so infinitesimal things that we can forget the big things that God is doing and seeing life change take place right before your eyes. And I just, again, some of you, you may be at that time and you may be like, I'm just getting discouraged. Or, you know, I'm, I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm afraid of whatever it is. And you know, we're all afraid of stuff. When you're two years old, you're afraid of the dark. You're afraid of the boogeyman, you know? And when you get older, you get afraid of other things, don't you? You get afraid about insurance and bills and all of this stuff. But the fear just keeps on growing and getting bigger. And I think, at least in my life, many times how I can become a Christian atheist is I can say I I can believe in God, but personally, I live my life in fear. I live my life in discouragement that I can forget that God is in control. Today, where we're going to be landing, yours may not be fear. In fact, for most of you and many of you, it's probably this thing that we're going to be talking about today. And it is something just really, I think, a lot of us struggle with, and it's happiness. That for many of us, we say we believe in God, we say we follow God, but our actions, we're really pursuing happiness more than God. That we're pursuing trying to get rid of discomfort. We're pursuing trying things. We're pursuing purchasing things. We're pursuing whatever you're trying to get on, you know, infomercials, all that stuff. We're pursuing trying to stay happy and maintain happiness more than pursuing God. And, you know, it seems, you know, that pursuing happiness is the right thing, right? In fact, people even say this in America, that, that, you know, it's our right to pursue happiness, right? But yet, what seems right to us and a lot of times can be the very thing that does us in. The wisest man who ever lived, his name was Solomon in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, he says it like this. He says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, leads to death. There's a way that seems right to a person. I mean, it's the right way. I mean, it's, I mean, God wants me to be happy, right? I mean, that sounds so good. In fact, you could turn on your television at any time during the week, and you could probably hear a televangelist with a bad toupee saying that if you sent in money, if you sent in a thousand dollar check, You can be happy and he's going to give you a prayer cloth and some anointing oil and you're going to be able to have your best life now. It sounds really good. It sounds like, yeah, God wants me to be happy, right? But I want to say this. I really don't think God really wants us to be happy. Now, if we become happy, great, but really that's not his main goal in our lives. His main goal is something much better and much deeper and much more lasting than happiness. God doesn't want you to be happy. 
especially when it's based upon three different things. And the first one is this. God doesn't want you to be happy when you got to do something wrong to get happiness. God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes us to do something wrong. Bless you. 1 Peter chapter 3 says it like this. Excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 1 says, verse 15, but just as he who called you to be happy, you should be happy in everything. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in everything and all that you do. You see, God's bottom line isn't happiness. It's something much deeper. And, and, and here's, the, here's the, the seductive thing about when we think <clears throat> God exists for us to be happy. God becomes like a cosmic Coke machine. How many of y'all are godly? How many of y'all like Coca-Cola? How many of y'all like Pepsi? I'm going to pray for you, dear Jesus. No, I'm joking. You see, right out here, you can walk outside of this room right here. You can go right over there because my son always asking for M&Ms. And he goes over there and he, he wants some M&Ms. His name's Bing. All right? And that's the essence of, he wants happiness. He wants M&Ms. You see, many of us, we treat God like a convenient, like, a, like some type of machine that we, if we put in the right money and if we press the right buttons, then God's going to give us what we want. He's going to make us happy. That if we put in enough money and the right money on Sunday morning, and if we pray the right prayers and hit the right buttons, then he's going to give us what we want. Now, here's the problem with that. God's not a Coke machine. And God wants us to have something a whole lot more lasting than M&M's. He doesn't want us to just settle with happiness. He wants something more. Here, he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, he wants us to be holy. But many times we settle for happy. Happiness. It reminds me of the time my very first car was a 1978 Cutlass Supreme. And it had a beast of a motor, beast of a motor. Thing got like seven miles to the gallon on the interstate. I kid you not. In fact, once my parents got rid of that car, they bought me a Giro Metro. They got 60 miles to the gallon on the interstate. If I'm lying, I'm dying. All right. I'll never forget the very first ticket I got. I was leaving Clarksville, because I'm from here, and I was driving to Evansville, Indiana. And as I was going to Evansville, Indiana, there was nobody around me on the interstate. Nobody around me. So, I, you know, the speed, the speed limit, you know, I don't, can't even remember what the speed limit was back then. I don't even think it was 70 at the time. I think it was like 65. But I know my speedometer, it only went to 85. And I know I was doing more than 85 because the, the needle was actually in the gas gauge. <laughs> Throw that out there. I was having a good time. I was having fun. I was happy. I was happy just driving. I was singing. I mean, I was happy. Till a state trooper pulled me over and cussed me out one side down the my very first ticket. I'm crying like a little girl. Crying. That's just what I do. I, I, seriously, my dad got pulled over yesterday. By the way, mom, dad got pulled over yesterday. And um, 
and I am starting to tear up, tear, you know, my eyes are starting to tear up because I don't, I just, I lo- if you're a policeman here, God loves you, I love you too. I don't like getting pulled over, all right? And I know what you're saying, stop speeding, and you're right, all right, throw that out there. Another good graphic, all right? Anyway, um, but the, the policeman cussed me up one side down the other because he clocked me going 136 miles an hour. That's what I said. And I was, you know, I'm still, I'm surprised I did not get put in jail. Seriously. I remember he not just wrote me one ticket. I, I got multiple tickets. Multiple. In fact, one of them was, uh, I, I, it was, because it was more than 20 miles, it was like reckless endangerment, I think. I know once it was all over, the, all of the speeding tickets, you put them all together, it was almost $400. I had a fun time. Until I had to pay for it. And let me tell you, that's exactly what happens when we choose to do something wrong to get happiness. It's a fun ride while it lasts, but you know what? It never lasts. There's always something you got to pay for it on the other end. Anytime you have to compromise God's word and you got to do something wrong in order to be able to get happiness or to keep happiness, you ain't going to have happiness because there's a paycheck. There is a ticket at the end. Now, let me tell you how it works with some of you. Some of you don't have lead feet. By the way, I don't speed that much anymore. All right. Throw that out there. I'm serious now. I'm not even lying to you. God's really been working on me. I promise you. Um, so, uh, but I will say this, yours may work it out like this way. You know what? I don't like school. I don't like college. It's not, I'm not happy in college. I don't like this class in college. I don't like the prof, so I'm going to drop because I'm not happy. And you leave college. Because, hey, you should be happy, right? Or let's do it this way. You know what? Money. I, I just, I want to spend some money. Money makes me happy. And when I spend money, I'm happy. But when I can't spend money, I'm not happy anymore. And and on top of that, God wants me to give how much? Please. That's my money. I'm going to go out and buy me something with it and make me happy. Let's do it another way. You know what? I just, you know, I I know we're friends, but I'm kind of ready to move on because I'm not happy in the relationship. Or maybe it's a job. You know what? I got in this job, and I liked it at the time, but I don't like it anymore. I'm just not happy in it, so I'm going to quit my job. It doesn't matter if God wants me to stick in my job and actually make a change and tell other people about him in my job. I want to be happy. Or maybe it's this way. You know what? I'm dating somebody, and girl, she looks good. She looks fine. And I think, I think I'm going to sleep with her. That's going to make me happy. Or, he looks good. I think I'm going to move in with him. That'll make me happy. Hey, I need to be happy, right? This is the one I hear most of all, and it's the one that makes me the angriest. You know, I used to love her, and I used to love him. And we were married eight years ago, but I don't love him anymore, and I'm not happy anymore. So I'm going to bail out of this relationship because God wants me happy, right? I'm going to go find another person I can be happy with. And see, the problem with that is anytime you got to do something, you got to compromise, anytime you got to choose the, the unwise choice here to maintain your happiness, you will never find happiness. And you may go to that next relationship and there won't be any happiness there either. Why? 
Because happiness doesn't come by a change of scenery. God doesn't want you just to be happy. Second thing, though, God doesn't want you to be happy when it's based upon circumstances. When it's based upon circumstances. Let me give you uh, where the root word for happiness comes from. It comes from the word happenstance or circumstance. You see, if somebody in here today, if I said, listen, I'm going to give you a $20 gift certificate card to Rafferty's. How many of y'all, you would be happy? Tell the truth, shame the devil. Everybody in here, those who didn't raise your hand, you're lying in church. Shame on you. All right? Because I'd be happy. In fact, I, no, I'm just, I mean, you would be happy and I would be happy. Why? Because something's changed on our outward. Something changed out here that made me happy. But what, what happens though? Ladies, you're going to go to Rafferty's, all right? You're going to go and you're going to get the fat-free salad dressing and all that stuff. And when they offer you the little roll with the honey butter on it, you're going to say, no, honey, you eat that because I'm watching my figure. And then you're going to be unhappy because he took it. And see, and there you go, all right? Now, here's the point. Yes, I am hungry, but there's a second point in here, all right? The second point is this. If your circumstance... If, if, if happiness, whether or not you're happy, is based upon your circumstance, I got some bad news for you. You're going to be unhappy most of your life. Because there's a lot of things that you and I have to do that doesn't blow our skirt up, that doesn't make us happy. Paying bills. Nobody likes that. Unhappy. Right? Doing the chores, emptying the dishwasher, uh, ironing the laundry, any of that stuff. That stuff is not going, oh, I can't wait. Right? God doesn't want you happy when it's based on circumstance because the, your circumstances will always change and God wants you to be constant. Some of you, you're like a roller coaster. Right? You're high one minute. Oh, I just can't. Oh, it's so wonderful. Then you're going down and you're like, oh, I'm not doing so good. What happened? Well, 20 minutes changed. Right? Because that's outward circumstance stuff. God wants you to be, be more than happy. He wants you to have joy. In fact, let me just quote a, a verse of the Bible I, 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 I was looking at last week. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. This is talking about Jesus, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Do you know that Jesus had joy? You see, how many of y'all watched like The Passion of the Christ or something movie like that where you see him crucified and beaten? Do you know that he had joy? How can that be? Why? Because it wasn't happiness. Happiness is based on the outward stuff. And at the time, a lot of the outward stuff was going bad for him. But God says, no, he could have joy inside of him because he was wanting to do what God wanted him to do. And see, you can do some bad, you may be in a bad circumstance, a bad situation. Your spouse may have left you, but you can still have joy in that because in that you've not compromised. God wants you to be more than happy. He doesn't want to just be based upon stuff. In fact, the person who, who owned more than anybody ever owned, the person who was the richest in the world, his name was King Solomon. And he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. And he had a thousand women. I mean, he could, I mean, if one woman had a headache, he could go to the next bedroom. Y'all know what I'm saying? Y'all going, that's in the Bible? It is. You should read it. It's really interesting. And by the way, God's going, that ain't how it should happen. All right? Some of you ladies going, that ain't right. And you're right, it ain't right. 
all right? Some of you guys going, I don't think I want that. Good, because God said it ain't right. But let me tell you, he had all the stuff, he had all the education, he had all the wisdom, he had all of the power, but listen to how he describes his life apart from God. Ecclesiastes chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 2 says, absolutely pointless. Do you see that? Absolutely pointless. Everything is pointless. I've seen it all and nothing makes sense. Let me tell you why nothing makes sense, Solomon. Because anytime you take God out of the equation, everything falls apart and nothing does make sense. When you try to fill that God-shaped void in your life with stuff and money and things, it's never going to satisfy. I mean, here's the thing. You can, you can watch television tonight. Watch television for an hour. And let me tell you what you're going to hear. You can be happy if you buy a 52-inch not an LCD, not a plasma, but an LED or maybe even one of those 3D televisions. You can be happy if you buy a topsy-turvy because maybe you don't have, uh, you know, a, a yard to be able to plant a tomato bush in. By the way, they don't work. Ask me why, because I know, all right? Because the t- it, it, but if you bought a topsy-turvy, you would be so happy. And then if you bought a knife set that could cut through a penny, why are you going to cut through a penny? I don't know. If you're cooking pennies for supper, throwing that out there. You, all right? But you're going to be happy if you buy the knife set. Or maybe you buy a Snuggie. Dear Jesus, if you own a Snuggie, do not raise your hand because I will make fun of you. Or maybe you, own, you bought a Snuggie for your pet. Because that will make your pet happy. Your pet ain't happy. Your pet's going, dear God, I hope that I, don't let me out of the house. That dog down the street's going to see me in this, right? None of that stuff brings lasting happiness. None of it does. Because you know what? For only $19.95, you're going to purchase it, and guess what? It's not going to bring you happiness. Because stuff doesn't bring, it's imitation. How many of y'all ever bought like an imitation purse? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you for being truthful. Imitation, maybe a, a, a wallet or maybe an imitation Rolex. Anybody ever bought it? I got an imitation Rolex one. It, it, it worked for about three minutes. Um, I mean, you know what? Imi- how much of those imitation stuff worth? 20 bucks? You being generous. That's because you paid $20. You try to go back and resell that, you're going to pay two. You're going to sell it for two, right? It's not worth anything. All that stuff is imitation. It doesn't really, it's not really, it's just junk. It's just junk. And God's going, listen, you're wanting to focus on happiness. And I want to give you, that's imitation stuff. I want to give you so much more than that. Imitation. My wife and I, we went to Kohanas a couple months ago, and they have that, that, they have that sushi, this tofu sushi. They got a Greek word for that. It's called nasty. Or maybe you're a vegetarian in here and you don't like the meat, so you get the vegetarian burger. Another Greek word, nasty, right? It's imitation. You hear me? It's imitation. It doesn't taste good. It's not the real thing. In fact, listen to how God says it in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 and 2. I was reading this this past week, and I said, i got to put this in here. If you are thirsty, God's saying, come and drink water. If you don't have any money, come and eat what you want. Drink wine and milk without paying a cent. Now look at this. This is a great question. Why waste your money on what really isn't food? 
And why work hard for something that really doesn't satisfy? The message says it this way. Why do you spend your money on junk food? Your hard-earned cash on cotton candy. By the way, when you eat cotton candy, what happens? Melts in your mouth, right? Anybody ever gotten full on cotton candy? I haven't, right? Because you can't get full on cotton candy. It's junk food. He says, no, no, no. Don't spend your hard-earned cash on cotton candy. Listen to me and listen well. Eat only the best and fill yourself up with the finest. About six months ago, true story, I, I've been trying to lose weight and I've been trying to like eat later and later in the day, smaller portions and all that stuff. I, I had not eaten anything all day and I was fine at lunch. I was good at lunch. Three o'clock come, I was getting the munchies. I, had, I took the drawers out of my desk drawer, dumping them upside down, trying to find some food. And I found like a year-old candy bar in there. And I tore open that thing, and I ate it, and I was good. I, I wasn't hungry anymore. I was great. Right after I'm licking my fingers, all right, my parents called me up. And they said, listen, we just bought some steaks. We would like for you to come over later uh, tonight and, and grill out. Can you come over around 4.30? Sure. So I got a predicament on my hands because I'm not hungry anymore. And I filled myself up with something that's really not nutritious at all and really wasn't that great and I have an opportunity to eat some steak steak is that kind of how it is with God sometimes God wants to give you steak and you over saying listen I'm over here I'm eating my cotton candy hang on or I'm you know what I'm pushing the buttons I'm putting in the money I'm getting my M&Ms and God's going, I want you to have so much more. That's imitation. It's imita and it doesn't fill you up. God doesn't want you to be happy when you've got to do something wrong to get happiness. God doesn't want you to be happy when it's based on your circumstances. And hear me, God wants you to be more than happy. You know that? In fact, that's our third point here. That Greek word for, this is so amazing, it literally means more than happiness. It's the Greek word for blessed. Everybody say Blessed. You've heard it in the, maybe in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus did this sermon while he was on a mountain. It's crazy. And, um, and he says, blessed are you, blessed are you. He's saying, no, you're more than happy. You can be more than happy. God wants you to be more than happy. He wants you to be blessed. Listen to how Psalm 112, verse 1 says, blessed. By the way, what does blessed mean? More than happy. Blessed, more than happy is the man who, let's say it out loud, who does what? Worships the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. Another way of looking at this verse is more than happy is the person who worships God. I tell you, a Christian atheist is saying, you know what, I'm going to say I believe in God on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to do everything I can, spend all the money I can, do whatever I can to make me happy and then, oh yeah, I'll come in and I'll kind of pursue God for an hour, one day a week. And God's going, time out. And you know what? Many of us, we think of God as this God who's angry and always yelling at us, and he's not that at all. He's like the parent who's saying, listen, don't fill yourself up with junk food. There's a good meal coming. I want you to be able to experience it. But you have to hunger and thirst for me so that I can fill you up. Quit spending your money 
and doing all that stuff on stuff that won't satisfy. Some of you are here today and you need to hear that because you say, yeah, I believe in God, but really your actions always speak louder than your words and really you're a walking contradiction, just like I'm a walking contradiction when it comes to what I was doing this morning, being up. You can become a walking contradiction saying you want God, but then pursuing all of this other stuff. And in the end, the Bible says this, you need to store up your treasures, not here on earth where, where moss can eat them and rust can destroy them. You need to store your treasures up in heaven where none of that moths are going to eat them, none of the rust is going to touch them, and thieves can't come in and break them. What God is offering you is something more than just the next toy that over the next six months will go passe and blase when the second 2.0 comes out. He's offering you more than that. He's offering you joy. More than happiness. He wants to bless you. But you can't, he can't do that if your bellies are already full or your hands are already full of stuff. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time and we're just going to just spend some time praying and whatever you got in your hand that you've been trying to, to fill yourself up with, it might be food, it might be a relationship, it might be stuff. We're going to spend some time literally just symbolically you just opening up your hands as we're praying and you're just going to give that to God and say, God, I'm no longer going to pursue that. I'm going to pursue you. I'm no longer going to pursue that relationship or that thing. I'm going to pursue you. Let me uh, answer some, a couple of questions and then we're going to do that. How does one stay in a marriage after one cheats? When it's just enduring and fighting, is it God's will to stay and live this way? Again, I would encourage you, uh, that's something I, we're going to have to spend a little bit more time in depth talking about. You have my phone number, all right? You're welcome to call me about that or set up an appointment so we can do that. I will tell you this, that um, God allows divorce on two occasions, when somebody commits adultery and when somebody leaves. And if you want to talk about that some more, I'd be more than willing to do that um, if you would like to set up an appointment. All right. Um, Right now, let's just take some time. And, and if you've never prayed, you don't feel comfortable about that, you don't have to close your eyes or bow your heads. But if you do feel comfortable, I just encourage you to do that so that we can eliminate all these distractions. And I'm just going to lead us in a time of prayer. And I would pray, some of you, you might just want to put up those hands and you ain't got to, you know, you can just put them right out here like this. And I just pray that you would ask God to empty those hands to make you hungry again for him, to make you thirsty again for, for him. It's only when we have open hands and open hearts and open lives that he can come and fill them. Stuff that truly satisfies. Hold them out there and let's pray. Dear God, all of us have some stuff in our life that we've been trying to deaden the pain. All of us has those things in our life that we know what's in our hands right now that we've been trying to fill that God-shaped void in our life with things, stuff, house payments and car payments, 
and relationships. And Lord, the more we put in our hands, the emptier we become in our hearts. So Lord, right now, we extend these out to you. We open up our hands to you. Lord, we pray that you would remove all of that stuff that we've been looking for and longing for. The stuff that really doesn't satisfy. The junk food. The cotton candy in our lives. And Lord, that we would be able to empty our hands so that you could come and fill us. That you would fill us, God, right now. You want to. You long to. Your word says, anybody who seeks after me, I'll come. They'll find me. If they seek me with all of their heart. God, our open hands, they're open. We've got nothing in them. We ask that you would come and fill us up. That you would just pour down on us. And that we would be able to drink deep living water. Water that you say in John chapter 4 that we will never thirst again. Water that will truly satisfy. Thank you, God. There are many people in here right now that are doing this. And Lord, I thank you so much for their willingness just to be honest and open and saying, I need you, God. I need more of you. I need less stuff and I need more of you. I need you to have more of me. Love you. In Jesus' great big name that we